Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Maybe I need to do Love and Logic. I don't know, but I think that works great. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Yeah, happy to be here in church. Sunday morning. My name's Stephen. Uh, I'm the campus pastor of C3 East Village with my wife, Brittany, and we have a little six-month-old named Hewan, and it's awesome. We actually have our East Village has its one-year birthday coming up in, yeah, like two Sundays on the, on the 14th. One year already. That is insane. Feels like blinked my eyes, and it's over, and it feels like a lifetime as well. One of those thing, things, but it's so good. Losing my voice a little bit here today, so bear with me. Uh, we've been talking about identity. Who's been around for any of the series so far? Identity, yeah? It's been good. We had uh, Pastor Gordon Moore with us last week. Great message. We had Pastor Phil Pringle, the founder of C3, the, the week before. We had um, Pastor Lorne, of course, bringing the message on the 9th of September. Uh, today we have me. And it's great. That's good. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So talking about identity, it's really been good, you know, having that, that getting built up of amazing preachers with years of experience. But I believe I have a, a word here today that's going to speak to people uh, and set some of us free in identity as we kind of conclude this series. And uh, next week, Pastor Lorne will be back with us. And it's going to be awesome. So, you know, why is identity important? When we understand who we are and whose we are, it changes everything. It changes everything for us. It changes the way that we can carry ourselves, the way that we walk, the way that we um, approach uh, any problems that come up in our world and decisions we make. It it is so important, and that's what we've been kind of talking about. And maybe today you're here, um, and, you know, maybe it's your first time in church, or you you haven't been for a long time, and uh, you, you don't even know if you believe in God. Wherever you're at, we just welcome you here today. And it's awesome that you're here. Maybe you're tricked into coming to church today. We welcome you too. Uh, I remember when I first, I didn't grow up in the church, but I, I, you know, I knew the church in my hometown had a PlayStation 2 back in the day. So, you know, and so I thought, well, if I go along to that night, I'll get to play the PlayStation 2 afterwards. Um, you know, and it was awesome. So I went along, ended up giving my life to Jesus and changed everything for me. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, PlayStation. That's an amazing thing. Um, but like I said, we've been looking at, at the identity thing over the last uh, few weeks. So I encourage you to get the podcast to that. Um, you can look, search that out on iTunes or anything and, and go into those kind of things. But today I want to speak on, uh, my message title is Getting the Order Right. And we're going to go into Romans 1. But, but before that, do we have any pet people, like people who like pets in the house? Anyone who lo- yeah, loves their pets? Do we have any dog people? Yeah. Big dog contingency. Any cat people? Not as many. Not as many. I know there's other pets, but they're the majority we, we fall into. Dog, dogs and cats. Gold, goldfish, maybe. I could use in this analogy I'm going to use. But anyway, um, you know, we, the relationship we have with our, our pets, or that people have with their, their dog or cat, more that the dog has with us as their owners and masters, their lords, as their pet owners, where they're lords, caring for them, protecting them. Actually, I, I have found, um, shows a lot about our relationship with God that we can fall into these categories. You know, uh, anyone who has a dog, 
knows that dogs are awesome, they're so loyal, uh, and a dog will just look you in the eyes. I've seen some heads shake out there and some disgusted looks that I'd talk about a dog this way. But, you know, a dog says, you feed me, you, you groom me, you shelter me, you, you love me, you must be God. That's what a dog says, right? Like, that's, that's the loyalty of a dog. Cats, on the other hand, you love me, you feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, I must be God. Has anyone found that about cats? That, that's, you know, like, ancient Egyptians used to worship uh, cats as gods, and cats have never forgotten that. They're so self-centered, they just, they love everything about themselves, where, where dogs actually go, oh, my master's just so awesome. Um, I've found that I can slip into, as a Christian, in the way that I relate to my God, I can actually fall into these categories. Oh, God, you're so good to me because I'm so good. That's the cat. Oh, oh God, you're so good to me because you're awesome. You're amazing. Are you, a, are you a cat or a dog today? That's my question. You know, I also, I was thinking about it. You could be a goldfish as well. You know, goldfish, three-second memories, that three seconds. I, I'm amazed how many times I forget the goodness of God in my world, the answers to prayer, those things that happen. And, uh, and actually, goldfish don't have a three-second memory. I found out they actually have up to a five-month memory sometimes, so, which actually makes me feel worse about myself because goldfish can remember more than me. But, but anyway, so uh, where do you find yourself today? And so much of this, where we find ourselves in our relationship with God uh, comes back to our identity. Where are we at getting our identity from? Um, when we find our identity in Christ and, and we know that the Father loves us so much, not because of what we do, but just unconditionally that we, that we don't deserve it, I believe a part of that when we experience that, we begin to look outside ourselves a bit more. We become a bit more outward focused, less like a cat. We become more outward focused. Um, you know, but where we let our identity slip and we, and we don't relate to God in the way that the, the Bible would show us how, uh, we actually can become more self-centered and, and because we become insecure and we try to find our identity in different things. So that's what we're going to kind of look at a bit today. Um, but let's just think about this for a moment. It's a throwaway statement that we as Christians make all the time. God loves you. God loves you. Now actually think about, think about that not just as a throwaway statement. God, the creator of the universe, creator of all, all-powerful, all-knowing, wherever you're at in this place, maybe you don't even believe in him today. God loves you. Wow. Wow. Like, that's an amazing thing. That should affect our identity, that God would love us so much, despite what we do and the mistakes we make and the things that we try and find our identity in. He loves you today. I want you not to hear that with your head, but, but to, to actually feel that and experience that. That's an amazing thing that really should change everything about how we identify and where we find our identity and our purpose, our passion. You know, I love um, this story in Judges 6, verse 11, the story of Gideon. Has anyone heard of Gideon? Yeah, well, many people would have heard of that. But, you know, the angel, uh, God sends an angel to visit Gideon. So what's going on here is um, the Israelites have turned their, their back on, on God. They start worshiping idols and, and turning away from his ways. And then so then, you know, they're taken captive and that's kind of the story of Judges there that keeps happening every time the Israelites would turn their back, but then he, he sends someone to save them and deliver them. 
bring him back to the right path. And they drift again. It's kind of been the story of humanity, really. That's the entire Bible uh, is, is that God would come and rescue us and that we drift away, but he re- relentlessly pursues us and brings us back into his presence. But, um, but in verse 11, we see Gideon, who's a, he's a kid here. He's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat, um, and an angel appears to him. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the, I can never say this word, under the oak in Oprah, that. Just interpret it as you will, speaking in tongues. Belong to George the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What a thing, he's not a, a mighty warrior. He's not a, he's not a soldier. He's not someone, he's actually a kid threshing wheat, hiding insecure, not feeling like a, a, a mighty, uh, anyone who's got anything to offer. He actually goes on and says um, that he's the weakest, you know, I'm from the weakest clan, the weakest tribe, at least in my family. But God sees him as something else. However you see yourself today isn't how God sees you. He actually sees you as the finished product. He sees you as, he can zoom out of time and space and, and he's beyond that and he actually sees you as something that you, you can't even see yourself as today. Or maybe the people around you have, have spoken words on you. God actually sees you as awesome, as amazing, as, as having a purpose, having something to do in this world. So I believe today, uh, as we jump into the word here and, and for the next 20 minutes, um, that, that we need to shift our eyes from seeing ourselves based on circumstance, based on things that have happened to us, based on where we find ourselves in this moment and ask God, God, how do you see me? How do you actually see me today? What's my identity? So Romans 1 where we're going to jump into here, getting the order right. Um, we have Paul here, the, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Rome there, a place he's never been. He's kind of introducing himself, and he's been wanting to go and, and visit them. Uh, so he, he writes in this letter here, an um, amazing book, the book of Romans. We've been walking through a series at East Village Church, When in Romans, where we're going verse by verse and, and looking through the, the book and living out grace and glory, what it is to live as a New Testament believer on the other side of the cross, you know, you know not under law, but under grace. And it's been an awesome thing. But So he's um, writing to the, the church in Rome and introducing himself because he wants to get there eventually and, and be able to go and encourage, encourage them. And I love in Romans, he actually says, um, and be encouraged by you as well, which is so cool that the, the Apostle Paul, he's saying, yeah, I've got something to bring. I've got something to give when I come over, but I'm actually going to be encouraged by you too. Um, anyway, that's a different message. But so um, I just want to look at kind of this first line in chapter one, and then we'll jump down um, to a, a verse at the bottom there. But so we have Paul here. And he says, it'll come up behind me there, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So we'll stop there. So this, this word rendered here, um, we translate it as servant. What's that, that, what that actually really kind of in the context is um, better translated as is uh, bond servant or uh, slave, but not in the way that we would see a slave, you know, in our modern ideology. Um, Rome at the time... Uh, was full of slaves. It was a, a society that was built upon, upon status and what is your position in the, in the pecking order. And actually one third of the Roman Empire were classed as servants or slaves. And this could be something that was not a good slave. Like obviously there was the, the bat, you know, when slavery ever good. Well, I'll get there. Don't worry. I'm losing my voice again. Excuse me for one second. Talk amongst yourselves. 
Um, but, um, but there was servitude and this slavery where you would actually voluntarily enter in and bind yourself to the master's will. And so people would do this as a way, uh, if they, there was a great you know, household, a, a governing official that was good, and, and you could actually bind yourself to their will and become a part of their family and a part of their household and a part of their inheritance. Or you could bind yourself and maybe you'd get a bad master and, you know, you get it. So it's a little bit different to how we see it. But I love that Paul, the apostle here, his first way he describes himself to the Romans is that he's bound to Christ Jesus. This is where his identity is. It's bound to the will, the direction of Jesus Christ. My question, my first kind of question today is who do you serve? Who are you bound to? What are you bound to? You know, I'm not, I don't care what, what we all do here. We, there's so many different variety of people here and different jobs and roles and things and, and all those awesome stuff that goes on. But I, be, I believe biblically there's, there's two options we get. We can be a slave to this world or we can be a servant of Christ. We can be a, um, we can be a slave to whatever, fill in the blank in this world, or we can be a, a bound servant of Christ. We can be bound to bound to him. One is a slave that's bound up and oppressed, and the other is a servant empowered and free. We get to choose, and, and I know many of us have chosen Jesus here today. It's an amazing thing. So Paul here is identifying who he, uh, who he binds himself to, but where his identity comes from as Jesus. So that's my second question is, where are you obtaining your identity from? Where are you finding your identity? The world's kind of obsessed with identity, identity at the moment, and we, we all can be too. You know, what political party are you? What, uh, what cause are you you're a part of? What sexuality or what group of people or what, you know, any number of things we're trying to find our identity in. We're posting things on social media because we feel like if we, if we post in the right way and present ourselves in the right way, that's where our identity comes from. We, we all slip into this. You know, I get the great privilege of, of preaching now, I've found myself in, in that position today and down at East Village quite regularly and, and pastoring. I love, it's what I love to do. I can't think of anything else, um, get, you know, that I'd rather do being able to um, help pastor and help point people to the Word of God. But, but you know, i got to be careful that I don't find my identity in, in what I'm doing here today. Because, you know, what happens, you, and, and you can help me out with this, you know, analogy a little bit. If I'm preaching really good and you guys are clapping and cheering and, and going on, I start to feel really good. You know, I'm going, yeah, my identity is awesome. So good. I, I'm on top of the world. This is if I find my identity in that. But what about next week? Or what about the week after when it's not jiving as well? You know, you guys aren't as happy with me about something. Maybe I messed up too many words cause, uh, and, and pronounced too many things wrong and the anointing just left me, and all that kind of thing. Identity crisis, if I find my identity in that. You know, that's one for me. Another one might be uh, for any married people in here, or maybe you're in a relationship, uh, boyfriend or girlfriend, or or whatever, maybe just even with friendships. If we find our identity in the other person, and and we we can do this, then things are all good when when the relationship's fine and and there's nothing in the way. but what about when we have an argument? What about when we ha- have a debate? Now, I know you guys are Christian here and you got your spouses don't have arguments together, but Pastor Brittany and I do. Um, not often, but we do. And so if my identity's found in, in Brittany and my relationship with her and something goes wrong, oh, all of a sudden I'm questioning my identity. 
you know, there are a couple for me. What is it for you? Maybe it's a job. And, and you pride yourself in having a position at work and, and making a lot of money. And that's awesome. Like, these are, these are good things. But if we find our identity in them, what about when the economy goes bad and all of a sudden you don't have employment? Or that project doesn't go right? Identity crisis. These things will fail us. The only remedy, I believe, is by finding our identity in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Gotta love my voice today. It it's just keeps croaking out on me. So where are you obtaining your identity from? I want you to consider if you're trying to find it in any of the things I've mentioned or anything else, uh, these things will eventually fail you. But if you bind yourself to Christ, if you find your identity in Him first, you're setting yourself up for an amazing life where you don't have to always be questioning, what's my purpose? Who am I? What am I here for? You just get to be bound to Christ and those things flow out of that. You know, your identity is a son and daughter of a loving God. Isn't that awesome? You're made in the image of God, it tells us in Genesis 1. Before you were born, God knew you, Jeremiah 1. You are one spirit, one spirit unified with God in 1 Corinthians. You know, on, uh, a few weeks back, Pastor Lon preached a message, and he, he said a bunch of I am statements. Um, does anyone remember that? Who was here for that? It was amazing. You know, uh, I am a child of God, deeply loved by God, saved by His grace, and born of His incorruptible seed. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus, forgiven of all sin, a new creature, prototype in Christ. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because I belong to Christ. I am loved, chosen, holy, and without fault in my heavenly Father's eyes. Amazing stuff. That's just the first three. You can get this list of these things out of the information desk. There's a pile there. I encourage you, grab this, and whenever you're feeling your identity question or you're wondering your purpose, read these over yourself. I think it'd be an amazing thing. I haven't done it, but I'm, I'm going to do it uh, coming up. Um, for 30 days, why don't the first thing you do in the morning, pick this up and read these scriptures over yourself. This will help you discover your identity. So make sure you grab them there at the information desk. But there's an identity to be found in God, and it's awesome. So my, my, kinda, my summary point there on that one is, where are you finding your identity? Is it a position, a person, or a relationship? Friends, I encourage you to find it bound to Christ. So my sec- second point is, through Christ, you discover your calling and into an authority. So I think the order here is very intentional. Intentional. Can we have that first scripture back up there, Romans 1, verse 1, how Paul introduces himself. So he introduces himself as a, as a servant of, of bound to Christ Jesus, then into calling, and then into authority. I don't know about anyone else, but how often we mix up this order and we think that our identity is found by having an authority and that's our calling and then therefore we get our identity. It's actually, we reverse the order. But I encourage you and I, and I believe that as we discover our identity in Jesus, that's where we discover our calling and into a position of authority. And I'm not talking about an authority like, a, a, you know, the Apostle Paul had an amazing authoritative position in the church but you can have an authority just in the way that you walk about your daily life when you enter into a cafe uh, at your school in your workplace when we get this order right you actually carry the authority of heaven to change an atmosphere to change people's lives what an amazing honor we get but so often we think that that's where we find our identity in it actually flows from being finding our identity in christ in christ Our identity needs to be found in Christ Jesus so we can be called into the authority that flows from Jesus. It's not a title, a role, a large bank account, a fancy diploma, a fast car, 
All these are great things, but that's not where real authority comes from. Authority in your life is given by God through Jesus. Be careful not to try and find your identity in your authority. Let's get the order right. Identity, calling, authority. Okay, good. That's going to change everyone's world if we truly live that out. It's going to change my world. That my identity is in Christ, therefore I have a calling into being a world changer. And that's for you too. That's the authority that you have. So I'm not talking, of course, about an authority to lord over someone, but a confidence, a boldness that we can walk with our head high no matter what circumstance because we know whose we are, we know who we are in Jesus. I love it. Uh, We'll continue with this chapter 1 of Romans. We'll jump down um, 16 verses there to verse 16 because Paul goes on to make this amazing declaration to the church there. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What an amazing statement, a very famous one, that we can actually live out, that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But let's just take a moment to think about, think about Paul's past. He had plenty of reasons to, to be ashamed. Plenty of reasons. I don't know if anyone else does. i got reasons to be ashamed in the natural. But he knows his identity in Christ, so he can boldly proclaim that he is not ashamed of the gospel. You know, for this gospel of Christ that he's talking about, in, in the natural He's been imprisoned. He's been chased out of cities. He's had to be smuggled out of places because of the gospel. He was ignored completely in, in Athens when he went down there. He was, he was laughed at. He was stoned. Behaved. We're talking the stoning of the rocks, not the other kind of stoned. Um, he was left for dead. But then he comes to Rome, the greatest city in the world, the most powerful empire, and says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel of Christ. Let's even think about before all that, before he had his road to Damascus moment with Jesus, um, Paul was actually persecuting the church, um, rounding up Christians. He was, um, you know, involved in, in the killing of Christians and putting him in jail. And he's writing to Christians in Rome and he's saying, he is not ashamed. You can live unashamed because of the gospel of Christ. You know, I, I love that, that God, Jesus actually came to remove shame in our world. Jesus came to remove shame. And I feel like there's some people today in this place, you've, you've been carrying around shame. Maybe you've, you know Jesus, you read your Bible, you pray, you come to church regularly, but for whatever reason, you've picked up some shame from your past that you carry around with you. Something that happened to you, something you did, or something that you're struggling with, and you're carrying this shame. Jesus can remove your shame today, and I believe he will as we finish out the service. Because he, he did everything that we need to live a free life. He did that on the cross for us. And that's where we find our identity. There's a, there's a, you know, Paul the Apostle, we often think that when he first met Jesus on the, on the road to Damascus there and was knocked off his horse, he, he kind of jumped off and he just started preaching and going for it straight away. But actually there's a, a period of time where Paul, actually has to, Paul has to go and discover his identity because he'd been living out of an identity to the law and to the Torah and now he has to discover his identity in Christ. Some would say that's three years, it kind of references in Galatians. Some would say more where he actually goes and, and, and he's hidden from public. Um, sometimes it's in those moments, in the hidden places where we find our identity in Christ. So before, you know, he had an authority, before he had a position, before he had that thing that he was doing, he actually spent time working out his identity. And I feel like some of you guys here today, maybe you feel like you're in that 
period where you're like, I'm, I'm hidden and I have a purpose and a call, but I'm not getting the opportunity that I thought I would at this church or at my workplace or something like that. But, but never forsake those moments where you're hidden because this is where we can best discover our identity in Christ. That's an amazing thing. Everybody goes through it. It might be a, a smaller time season for some. Sometimes it's a lifetime. But in those hidden moments, that's where we best get to discover our identity in Jesus. And f- like I said, from that, from that discovery... You'll be called into a position of authority. Just persist, be patient, it's coming, but enjoy that moment where you're hidden. Has anyone ever felt embarrassment or shame when it comes to our Christian faith? Sharon, yeah, I, I, I have. It can come out in little ways, like sometimes on a Monday morning, I'll go to the cafe and get my coffee, and I've just come off a Sunday, we've had an amazing services at Calgary West and at East Village, and where everyone's jumping around and worshiping, having these amazing life and um, changing encounters, people getting saved, people getting baptized, that happens regularly here, and then on Monday morning, someone will ask me, oh, how, how was your weekend? Oh, pretty good, it was okay. Oh, what'd you get up, onto the, get up to on the weekend? Oh, nothing much, nothing much, much. I had a life-changing encounter with, with Jesus in a Sunday service, and I, and I get there and say nothing much. It, it, you know, that's not shame directly, but it's an indirect form or a devaluing of actually what God did on our weekend. So I'd encourage us, let's not have that shame. Let's actually be, actually, I was at church, and it was awesome. It can be as simple as that, but don't be ashamed of sharing your faith. There's some, sometimes there can be a disconnect between the truth that we hear, that we live, that we, we believe in here in our head, and actually that living out and, and being in our heart. But the gospel, the good news of God, his unending and ferocious love for you, for me, and for every single person is nothing to be ashamed of. And that's where we find our identity. I'm going to invite the worship team um, to start to get ready to come back. Um, we worry way too much, way too much about what other people think of us today in this world um like an unbelievable amount you know like i'll put something up on instagram and i'll be like waiting for it to start buzzing with the likes and if if i'm not getting them i'm like why is nobody liking my picture so what i do is i I post a picture of my son hewan and everyone likes it so it's good i get myself but you know we we do these things what what have i done and and like we live in this world that's obsessed with social media and selfies and these kind of things and, and we have a world that likes to put shame on people for not looking a certain way, being a certain way. And hey, sometimes the church has been very guilty of doing that in history, of putting shame on people. But we, we are not to be people who put shame on anybody. We're meant to be unashamed, but Jesus came to remove shame. And when we find our identity, I find this is a lot easier to live out. So Paul here is talking about the gospel of Christ, the good news and this is where our true identity is found in. And that's why I believe Paul can make such a bold statement because he's discovered Jesus. He's in relationship with Jesus. He's bound to Jesus. And that's how he discovered, you know, that's how he can boldly proclaim before Rome that I am unashamed. But there's other good newses that present themselves to us every day that they would try to influence our identity. You know, there's other gospels out there that would try and say, this is the way that we find identity. There's a gospel of religions says, turn over a new leaf, do these actions, and you will be closer to God. There's a gospel of materialism that says, your worth is determined by what you have. Your identity is about gain in life. There's a gospel of liberalism that says, I'm okay, you're okay, God accepts us all as we are, and and we'll all get to go to heaven if heaven really exists. There's a gospel of politics. If we elect the right people and follow them, we'll be okay. 
that's where we get our identity. There's a gospel of society and social norms that would say, do as you please and as much of it for life is short. These are things that are trying to influence our identity. There's a gospel of sexuality that says, if I just find the right person to be intimate with, then that will mask the loneliness inside and that's where I'll find my identity. There's a gospel of social media that says, if your life looks like this, has the right lighting effects on it, the right filters, then you'll get more likes. And we all know that more likes means strong identity. These are gospels that present themselves. But the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of Christ, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever shall believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. John 10.10, The thief would come to steal, come kill and destroy, but Jesus has come to give life and life abundantly. John 8 says, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. This is the identity, this is the gospel that we are a part of, that we are unashamed of. Who, what does He set us free from? Freedom from false identity. Freedom from our past, freedom from sin, freedom from status, freedom from peer pressure, freedom from sickness, freedom from feelings of unworthiness, of identity crisis, of bitterness, of fear, of need to strive, of not measuring up. Freedom into a life of purpose, a life of passion, a life of influence and authority, because you are a part of the greatest story here on earth. And that is God's love for His people, His unconditional, unrelentless pursuit of His creation. And God so loved each one of us that He's made a way through every trial, through every moment where we feel far off from Him, that we can just step back into His presence, that we can step back into our true identity as a son and daughter of Him. That's an amazing thing. That's a miracle. And that's, that's what we're unashamed of here in this place. And how do we get that? We find out in verse 17, straight after Paul makes this statement, he says, For in the righteousness of God... For in it, the righteousness as God is revealed, speaking of the gospel, from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. There's the answer. We live by faith. We believe it. We embrace it. We accept that Jesus paid it all, not just some of it, not just impartiality, but He completely paid it all for us. Jesus made us a way, to, made a way for us to discover our true identity as a son and daughter of God perfect relationship with the Father and in a growing relationship. That's where we will discover our identity, church. That's where we discover our identity into our calling, into that position of authority that He has for you of influence. So as we just close this service, I want to encourage you. I might not be much, but get the order right. Identity, calling, into authority. But maybe maybe you've never uh, given your life to Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to, everybody's going to close their eyes. I'm I, I'm going to ask you just to put your hand up and if you, you know, you want to enter into a relationship with Him for the first time because because that's where we discover our identity, that it's not in what we do, it's not in striving, it's not in anything like that, but it's actually in saying, God, I believe that you did it.